Steve. And this is Ryan. You're listening to Seeks Cycle Hum. We are the guitar buying, selling, trading, fixing, modding, breaking, reviewing podcast. podcast. Woo. <laughs> Drop a little extra podcast in there for that you. That was huh? exciting. That was kind of like uh, the Beastie Boys. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, ex- exactly like the Beastie yeah. Boys. Hey, uh, so what's new, Steve? Uh, I So the other day in Gear Talk, Praise and Worship, uh-huh. someone posted the uh, Reverb.com headstock tuner. I didn't see that, but apparently you did. Uh, and I saw it, and they're selling them for $3, and I bought one. Well, there you go. How is and, it? And it's my first headstock tuner, um, but uh, I got it a couple days ago, and I strapped it on one of my acoustic guitars and tuned that guitar. Then I strapped it on my other acoustic guitar and tuned that guitar, and uh-huh. it, it worked pretty good. So $3? Uh, $3. You tuned two guitars. It paid for itself. Yeah, basically. Uh, they tell you... On the site, like limit one, and I don't uh-huh. know if that's like you can only order one per account, or if it's just one per order or what. But at three, there's do- only one, and you got it. I, <laughs> maybe I don't know. Right. It seemed like a lot of other people ordered them, uh-huh. but uh, at three bucks, I mean, I've heard some people say like, oh, sometimes they don't track well. Maybe in like noisy environments, I can imagine they don't track as well, but. Uh-huh. For being in the house, actually having a, some a tuner to strap on like an acoustic guitar at home, where I, because my TU two is on my pedal board, right? Um, being able to do that is super convenient. Sure. Um, and I'm I'm looking forward to trying it out live in the future. I'm a little concerned at the strength of the spring that like holds the clip. Oh, yeah. Because you know I'm I'm one of the more active guitar bass type <laughs> players that or i you know you might shake it off i move around a, a lot uh-huh i was gonna say a little bit but that would be a lie yeah that's a lie you're a dancer um, i'm a dancer when i play i like to feel the music so uh but i mean it seems pretty strong and at three bucks if it goes flying across the room well yeah who cares right three bucks hopefully they'll let me buy another one that's always been what kind of keeps me away from the headstock tuners is i i'm crazy on stage i'm rolling around i'm Doing all sorts of destructive things, yeah, I, dragging the guitar cr- across the floor and whatnot. I, I, as a headstock tuner would not survive me. Yeah, I don't know if I would want to use one, uh, like if I was playing in an environment outside of church, right? But I think for acoustic for acoustic instruments, uh huh. Um, oh, I just hit the microphone. <laughs> That's, That's fine. Uh, I think for acoustic instruments, it's uh, it's really it's a really good setup, and I don't even know how they. I know people use them on solid bodies, like sure. electric guitars and whatever. I don't know if they track. I could see why they might track worse on one of those. Whereas acoustic, like you're producing a lot of vibration. I think it really depends probably on the stage environment. Like if, yeah. you're, if your guitar is picking up a lot of vibrations from a speaker or something, it's going to get confused. Probably depends on whether or not you have a set neck or a bolt neck guitar. Because oh everybody gosh. knows bolt neck <laughs> guitars... <laughs> Don't transfer the vibration from the body to the neck as well as set neck. You see, you really need that layer of glue in between the neck and the body. That really helps. That really helps transfer that uh, energy from the glue from the from the body to the neck. (laughs) Okay. Well, uh, what's new with you? What's new with me? Uh, Well, uh, the uh, for those of you that don't know, I'm a, a graphic designer by trade, and I make a lot of pictures, and I get to see them show up different places. Uh, and earlier this week, I discovered one of my illustrations being used on a fuzz box made by El Ray FX. 
you should check them out. They make some really cool stuff. But the uh, the Billy Jack pedal, it's a fuzz pedal. I think they make pretty much all fuzz pedals. They have a boost pedal and uh, something else. Oh, a tremolo pedal. But they have a line of fuzz pedals. They look like a lot of fun. The Billy Jack sounds like a like a big muff sort of thing to me. It looks real muffy, right. real heavy. A lot of cool options on them. I was looking at their pedals. They got some cool stuff. They've got a pedal that's got uh, the, the El Morte, I think is what it's called. Right. It's got a, a pre-volume on it, which is something that I've always wanted to see on a fuzz pedal, is to have a, the volume control pre-fuzz already on there. Because uh, anyone who uses fuzzes know that you can turn down the volume on your guitar and that cleans it up. Why not have it already on the fuzz so right. you can just click it on and not have to be worried about fiddling with things when you're going into fuzz yeah, town. That, you know? That's actually super cool, too, because I would imagine you know if your fuzz is really input sensitive which i think most fuzzes are designed to be really input sensitive uh-huh. that it really that would really expand your tonal palette absolutely and even if you're going in between two guitars it could make a big difference if you're going from humbuckers or singles like you want to dial in a similar tone each time or a way different tone that could really help yeah. you out so i i got really excited when i I get excited when I see my stuff on things that I like. So I wrote them and I was like, hey, hey, guys, you're using my picture. I'm so stoked. And they wrote back and they're like, we are. It's awesome. So I'm hoping that some point in the future we can have some kind of a thing where I can make them like more custom graphics for the new pedals. But you never know with this stuff. You know, people go with what they want and what they need. So I hope to work with them. But who knows? Sure. Uh, Is there anything else new? Oh, uh, if this sounds any better. It may or might not. It's because we have a new recording interface. Right. We were uh, using a lexicon. Was it the Lambda? The Lambda or the Omega? I think it's the Omega. No, it's a Lambda. I'm looking at it. I'm looking at it on the shelf in its sad state of... of it, <laughs> I've got it, it sideways it, up there. How, Disgraced. Okay, this is how sad this is. It's sitting next to the box it came in. Yeah. There are no plans to ever use it again. I don't even want to put it back in but the box. But it's, it's not even worth being going back in the box. It's I'm going to keep the box, the box and throw the recording interface away. Dang, dude. Yeah. But we, the, that was the source of many of our problems. We think. We think. Uh, we fingers hope. crossed. What do you think, Gary? Uh, producer Gary is shrugging. I forgot and, about uh, that guy. I think he's back to playing uh, Flappy Bird. <laughs> worthless such a worthless made-up yeah, so, character so what's this uh what's <laughs> this new things from tascom yeah so tascom us-1641 we're borrowing it from our good friend adam powell yes uh he had this thing for a while and he loaned it to someone else for a while and completely forgot about it and then when we started having his issue our issues he was like oh well, let me get it back from this person that i loaned it from so now we've got it and it's got eight channels. It's got a. It's a lot more rock solid than the Lexicon. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. It Been messing like around with it. It's working well. So. Yeah, it's working pretty good. Well, we'll see. Maybe this episode sucks and we don't know it yet. I know. I took the earphones off right after we started, so <laughs> it could sound like anything right now. Yeah. So should we get into ads? Uh, the, the, you know something. So okay, is there more new stuff going on? There's something new that I don't know a lot about. Let's not talk about it today, but I'm, I'm going to, cause I think it's a longer topic. Okay. Uh, but I think for a future, it just, you, it made me think about this when you're talking about the El Morte All right. and having the pre volume mm-hmm. is, uh, is, uh, Fender. I want to talk about the Fender pawn shop amps Okay. at some point. Sure. You know, the Excelsior has been out for, for a year or two now. 
but they've got was it like the vaporizer and the and, uh, the and, rampart and the rampart. So uh, we'll save that for another podcast. Yeah, but we'll talk about. This I've been hearing. Time. I haven't heard a lot about the rampart. I think it's kind of feature wise is kind of a, a, a little weird for some people. Uh-huh. I remember reading about it and thinking like, oh, that seems like something I would use, but I don't know how many other people would. But the feature set on the vaporizer sounds really cool. But yeah. But we'll, we'll just, just we'll save that for later. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. That's a good thing to for everyone to go look up and do your homework on and you can have opinions about it and and post it on the forum or for sure. email it to us or just like quietly grumble them to them to yourself. Yeah. In the yeah. night when you're laying in bed and your significant other is laying next to you like, What are you what are you so angry about? Oh, I was reading about this amp, blah 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 blah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, the ads. Ads. <laughs> We've got a pile of ads here. The one on the top of the stack, we were going to do this uh, a couple of weeks ago and it just uh, didn't get done. So this ad might not even be up anymore. It's up in Monterey Park, uh, which I think. That's in like the middle of Los Angeles. Yeah, I think it's in That's Los like, Angeles. Uh, yeah, it's Los Angeles. If you are in the greater Los Angeles area, if you can confirm for us whether or not Monterey Park is the area also known as Los Angeles Chinatown. That would oh, be excellent. It might be. But I think this, it is, is. this is a really interesting thing. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna read the title to you. It's a 1994 aluminum Fender Stratocaster guitar body for six hundred and fifty dollars. And what this is is it's just the body and a pick guard of a Strat, but it's solid aluminum. Yeah. And it looks like a. It looks like a solid aluminum. It's chromey. It's shiny. It's. Uh, it's just all metal. And there's a lot metal. of. A lot of interesting history behind these. They made a couple signature uh, strats out of these. They did some with kind of the the engraving to have like the Hawaiian tropical palm tree look that you would see like on a Dobro oh. or something like that. They did a couple different things like that. They would have, you know, I think there were some that had like some Old West engraving in them and things like that. Uh, they had a bunch of these made, but I was reading up on the history on them. And I think what's what happened because these bodies just by themselves end up on the market from time right. to time around this price range too. This is a this is a fine price range for these. Uh, they end up on the market from time to time because the company that made them made a ton of them, and because of working with the material is difficult or just the the process that it went through, a lot of them became, uh, you know, B stock or second offs oh, really? Huh. stuff like that where fender was like we can't use this because quality control issues like right there's like a little bit of divot in the chrome like any little yeah, like, yeah. any little misshapen area on this is really going to show up because it's chrome right. so they've got to be perfect whereas on wood you know you just paint it over yeah or you use, sand use it. a little fill yeah. or whatever yeah do whatever you need to do but with aluminum that's it you can't really shape it anymore Right. So there's a bunch of these bodies floating around that are seconds that have cosmetic issues. But if you're making a project guitar, I think this is a slick start. This is a cool thing to start it's with. It's a cool thing to start with, but how many guys are going... I mean, you know, I, I want to say how many guys are going into a project with like, oh, let's drop 650 on a body. Yeah, yeah. But then... Well, some people do. Some people yeah. get really into crazy woods and crazy finishes and stuff like well, that. Well, and that's the whole MJT marketer, you know, uh-huh. these different... I, I don't... MJT, I don't know how expensive they really are. I think you can put together like a full MJT kit for like eight or 900 bucks. Oh, really? Like that. Uh, so this is a little outside of that price range, but it's also something that, you know, an MJT or a warm author USA custom guitars or whatever, they're 
I don't think you can get aluminum bodies from any of those. No, companies. it's a really weird specialized does it, thing. Does it say how much it weighs? Or do you have any idea? It does say how much it weighs. It says four and a half pounds. That's a lot lighter than I thought it yeah, would it's be. It's aluminum. Yeah. Like, aluminum's crazy weight. They make airplanes out of it. <laughs> how much do those airplanes weigh? Oh, you're not playing an airplane. You're not going to carry an airplane, but they no, weigh they true. weigh a lot, but they don't weigh so much that you can't put them in the air because <laughs> they're airplanes. Right? Okay. Well, yeah. So this this guitar potentially could fly. Could fly. Great. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. This is the sound of this ab being crumpled up and thrown in the trash can. Wow. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, Steve just showed me this ad earlier today, and he asked me. Uh, do I want to go down this road again? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it is a 1950s Bogan hi-fi tube amp converted to guitar. It's basically a... Uh, I'll let you talk about it. It's a, yeah, it's, it's yeah. a stereo amp. So this is... Uh, this is Basically, this is a little 10-watt tube amp. Uh, with these, these were little high-fidelity amps that you could plug in a record player... Or a radio back in the day, like a radio, you know. Sure. Now, when you buy a radio, it's got speakers and everything built in. But back back in the day, you, you just buy the whole you just got a radio yeah. and you got your speakers separate and everything. I mean, you can still do that. Right. But uh, this is a little 10-watt tube amp. And these were super popular for conversion. And um, they make a really dirty sound. Mm -hmm. They sound really gritty, at least at least. The one, so I owned something similar to this. It was from Bell Labs. It was like kind of amateur modified. Yeah, it and was dirty, like dirty, dirty, dirty yeah, sound. It just had issues. Yeah, it had some uh, sort of like power conditioning issues or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it had like some it power issues where like it just wanted to on like one line. It wanted to hum all the time and. Uh, it was just kind of like it was a little more amateur job than it looked like this guy is. Uh huh. Um, but yeah, so I'm every time I see one of these like high little hi-fi tube amps that were designed for radios back in the fifties, I think like oh, do I want to do this again? Because they look, I mean, this thing looks slick. Oh, they look awesome. This thing looks great. Um, it's 150 bucks, which is a little on the high side, but yeah, but that's still kind of disposable yeah, when it comes sort of territory. And, and if you get one that works for what you want to do, I mean, this is very much for a, like a low fi it's they're high fi amps, but you know, at 10 Watts, you're really, they're 10 Watts and they're designed for like a radio input. So you really got to crank these things to get a decent volume out of them. Yeah. And they're just these dirty little amps. Um, when you get one that works great, they they do that sound really well. Right. You know, if you're if I was in a Link Ray cover band, this might be perfect. I uh, think you need more wattage for that. But maybe for recording. I think that's yeah. the idea is people get them for recording as an extra thing. But I, you know, after seeing your first experience with one, like I'm kind of cold to that yeah. whole concept. I, I will say that I think this one is a lot simpler. This one, oh, I guess it does have like the six channel selection switch and then volume uh -huh. base. I mean, it looks like trouble. it's pretty simply wired inside. Like yeah. there's, a, there's a gut shot and it looks like point the, to point. The gut shot is a lot cleaner than the yeah. one I had because I thought when I bought this thing, well, if there's any issues with it, this will be like a fun way to learn about tube amps. Mm -hmm. And I opened the thing up and it, I mean, they always say like with some of these old point to point amps, like, Oh, they look like, they're like, oh, it looks like a rat's nest. Uh huh. 
this thing was gnarly. This thing yeah. was like... Uh, I think you showed me once. Yeah, it was pretty rough. Um, but yeah, it was a learning experience. Uh -huh. it, it was a road that I needed to travel at least once. Were you able to flip that thing or break even on it? Uh, I don't... I don't... I probably... It's probably one of the few things I lost money on. Yeah. I did disassemble it. I forget how much I paid for it. I disassembled it because it did come with... Uh, it was like... The guy had made it into like a really ugly combo amp. Uh -huh. <laughs> and I ended up selling the speaker, which was a Celestian Greenback. Uh, I sold that separately, and then I sold the whatever else it was. I sold the amp. And the tubes were like original. original yeah. or If they weren't original, they were at least 60s. So, And I don't think they had a ton of play on it. I think the the particular amp I had just had Well, it didn't have a ton issues. of play on it because... Like, yeah, they didn't play it a lot because it made all those noises and made all those sounds and hummed. Yeah, the whole time. I think it may have been too uh, at least a little bit of an issue of I, I if I remember the guy who showed it to me was playing like a double dual humbucker guitar. Uh huh. Whereas I at the time I think I was playing strats, and uh, so I think you know the noise issues that just come along with single coil guitars were just amplified like exponentially sure. by this thing so hey if you want a fun project <laughs> well that thing looks like it's pretty well wrapped up yeah. like that's not a yeah. project like a project is already done it's already got guitar input yeah packed th into it you just need to drop it on a speaker and you're done sort of thing yeah this i think this could be a lot of fun yeah. but i mean if you want not... it's for someone who wants to take a chance on yeah i'm not like gonna that. drop 150 bucks i'm yeah. just that's not where i'm at right now so it could be really cool if you just want to you know power your record player yeah that'd be cool it that's looks, really what i should do yeah with it. it looks like a piece of you know really like fashionable you know modern kind of yeah. audio equipment it looks like a frenzel if you guys know what frenzel yeah is, yeah it does how their design is for i like their stuff but anyway so moving on uh this is a fuzz pedal that Ooh. steve sent me off of craigslist this guy's been listing this for a while and i never took a look at it uh I don't know why, but it's it's only fifty bucks. There's like no information on it, and this will have to be a, to be continued later. Later, sort of story, like in a couple of weeks, if the guy gets back to me ever. Oh, did you email him? I emailed him. Here's the the only information is fuzz pedal fifty dollars, AC one twenty eight germanium transistors. Call Luke. Yeah, I get. I don't want to call anyone, so I didn't call. Sure. I did emailed you, the thing. Did you look those up? I, I'm trying to remember what. I know what the the AC one twenty eight is like a really popular transistor. I can't remember which particular fuzz pedal they were used. In. I, it looks like they get used in all sorts of stuff. Sure. Oh, I yeah, tried sure. to look it up, and it's like, oh yeah, here it is. It gets used in all these different pedals. It's right. like, who knows? I I, I emailed the guy. It's like, what is this based on? Is it a kit? Right. Like, what's going on? What does it sound like? So I'm hoping the guy will write me back for fifty bucks. That's kind of disposable. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I I'm always looking kit. to try new fuzz pedals. My biggest concern would be with something like that is whether or not it is, because I'm all about running off, uh, dedicated like dedicated power supplies, uh -huh. like not necessarily isolated, but just I don't like batteries. I just don't want to sure. deal with them. Yes, yeah, too much. My to only deal concern with. with like something like this, I can't remember if the AC128s designs are typically uh i think they call it center positive is it center positive or center mm. negative it's the opposite of like what boss pedals sure. are in which case um 
there might you either have to get an adapter. I'm not sure if they make adapters for them. If they don't, then you're just stuck with batteries. Right. But what's the fu- with the fuzz? I mean, the current draw on those things is so low. Yeah. You put a battery in it and you don't change it for a year. Yeah, something like that. But when it does go out, you're like, what's going on with my signal? I can't figure it out. Yeah. And you have to take everything apart. And then you realize, oh, it's the fuzz pedal. The battery <laughs> or when it's bad. going out, you're like, oh, man, my fuzz sounds <laughs> so awesome. Yeah. For like two weeks and then I'm it big dies. In, I'm big into voltage sagging. That's a fun thing to do. If you don't know what voltage sagging is, you should look it up. Yeah. Uh, you should get a Dan Electrode. It's like a 15 or $14 little thing. That's that. You just did that I thing did I was it. telling you about. I count backwards. Ryan counts backwards all the time. Weird. On the podcast. He, he's, Steve was calling me out on this the other day. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about, man. And and I just did it. That's yeah. weird. I think you might have even done it already earlier in the podcast, but I didn't say anything. Wow. But that time it was super obvious. Okay, so moving on. <laughs> I, apparently, I might be a little numbers dyslexic or something. Yeah, Dan Electrode. Those th- that's a cool little thing, though. Yeah, totally. Built-in voltage sagging. So next up is, uh, this is a big one. It is $50,000. $50,000. 50, on on uh, Craigslist in San Diego. And uh, I think, didn't this pop up a month or so ago? Um. I don't remember, but I sent it a to you back. before. I know it was at least a few weeks. This is this claims to be a two hundred year old bass. It's an acoustic bass, obviously a stand up, yeah, uh, kind of kind of bass. I don't know what the actual model would be called. There, it's just a, it's a they're called do, it's a double bass. That's a double bass, yeah, or upright or double bass. It's I mean, the it, same thing. It as, looks as beautiful. I'll I'll read the description on here. It's fifty thousand dollars or best offer. Yeah, <laughs> maybe I should make an offer. Maybe the next best offer is like six hundred bucks, and I can get it for six fifty. Maybe the next best offer is no one's probably made him an offer, and just <laughs> exactly hey, first offer. Hey gets man, it. what is your current best offer? Because I'd like to best your yeah. best offer. Oh, no one's made an offer yet. One dollar. One dollar. That's your best offer. Let me know if someone does two, and I'll do three. Yeah, <laughs> start a bid war. Okay, here's the description on this. This is the actual base. Once owned by Funkmaster, that's in quotations, and full capitals, Funkmaster Paul Jackson, while he grew up in Oakland, as he became architect for several of the headhunter funk tunes that helped to propel Herbie Hancock. This is a beautiful sounding old, oh my gosh, I can't read that word. Oh, Czechoslovakian. I got like four letters into it. I was like, I have no idea. Czechoslovakian. Uh... Uh, old school bass that has had several modifications performed over the years, including work by Phil Yost, which I'm not I'm not familiar with him. Oh yeah, Phil Yost. I have no idea. Who that is. <laughs> Good old Phil. Oh uh, yeah, producer Gary is nodding. He's like, yeah, Phil, Phil, Phil. Oh yeah, he knows that guy apparently. Uh, for complete authentication, it is possible to arrange for Paul Jackson to present this beautiful contrabass to the actual collector. <laughs> what were all those noises so it sounds like this guy knows the dude right paul jackson and if you really want to know the story behind it and pay fifty thousand dollars he can arrange for you to meet him i'm not familiar with paul jackson i am familiar with herbie hancock i'm sure there's legitimate history going on there uh basically what steve and i have been we're talking about with this thing is if it is actually 200 years old that's probably easy to figure out yeah if you take it somewhere and have them look at it uh the 
the condition of it really matters. The age matters for the price. The condition of it matters for the price. Like if it's if it's not playable anymore, then it's going to be not have a lot of value. I mean, we don't we don't really even think about this level of instrument. Yeah, yeah. This is. I mean, at this is unusual for us to even I, think about. But it's yeah. it's so interesting to see this pop up on Craigslist because we're used to seeing things in the hundred to thousand dollar range yeah thinking I, about I, that i was looking trying to look at like old up upright old double bases uh-huh part of the problem is when you google like vintage double bass right uh everything that comes up is like oh 1960s k yeah but in this case like it's not even i don't this I is guess 1800 maybe i guess 1860s. what i should have looked for is antique double bass because mm. that's legitimately like this is an antique piece it's not sure it's not the 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 uh What's the word I'm looking for? It's not the uh, marketing, oh, let's call this vintage because it'll make people yeah. think it's cooler. Like, this is a legitimately antique uh-huh. piece. Um, there's just other other things. So, oh, yeah. So, I looked this up and I did see some early 19th century bases uh, that were selling in, like, the twenty dollars to $40,000 range. Okay. Um, I don't really know that much about paul jackson he's played on i'm looking at his stuff he he was apparently in the headhunters who but i don't know who they are sure and uh but wikipedia says he has played with many of the great jazz artists most notably playing based on several of herbie hancock's seminal albums who Mm -hmm. I, i do know who herbie hancock is um he was on one two three four five six seven eight nine uh what looks like 12 herbie hancock albums wow he also played with the Pointer Sisters, uh, Santana, Sonny Rollins, and a bunch of other people so I've this never guy's, heard of. This guy's been around. Yeah. But the, the, it kind of sounds like, you know, because that guy's been around, but he wasn't playing this bass when he no. was doing all this stuff. This sounds like uh, he had this for a while. Like, yeah. it doesn't say how long he played it. It doesn't say if it was on any recordings it was featured doing anything. It's just like... I. I, you know, I'm not a professional appraiser or anything like that, but I kind of doubt that the connection to this guy changes the value at all. If it adds or takes anything away, I think unless it's been featured on a stage at a prominent like concert or, you know, sort of event that everyone is familiar with, or unless it's been on a really famous recording or something like that, I don't think instruments have their value changed just via ownership. Yeah. I mean... There are cases where I think it just depends. Sure. Um, but if it's like, oh, this is the instrument he had as as a kid, and it's a in this case a double bass for a guy who, as far as I could tell, is more famous for playing like electric bass. Yeah, more modern um, basses. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, that kind of murkies the water. There's just other things about this. You know, like you said, you can ver- probably verify the age. Without too much trouble. Yeah. Um, but having Paul Jackson come and bring you the bass, I that doesn't change the value of it. No. Well, it, it's a fun story if you're a big yeah, Paul Jackson yeah, fan. Yeah. I mean, it, that's neat. But uh, I'm sure there's people out there who are huge Paul Jackson fans and would pay $50,000 just for that to happen. Maybe. Maybe. I, I mean, know. I don't know anything about the guy. Yeah, me neither. So uh, maybe we should just not talk. Yeah, about maybe this we should anymore. move on because we're obviously super ignorant about yeah. this. Yeah, <laughs> into territory that is not our own. No. This so is someone a... is listening to this right now, 
and they know exactly what this is and they're just yanking their hair out screaming yeah. at their computer or their iPod. This is so this is listed in San Diego. If you are the person who listed this on Craigslist, shoot us an email at 60cyclehumcast sure. at gmail.com because we want to have you on the show. Like we want to talk yeah, about what you the backstory on. You can bring is. Paul with you. Yeah, bring um, that would be kind of neat. It would be really awkward if he listens to this and then came and was like, you don't know who I am? Yeah. You haven't yeah. heard of me? You don't think my base is worth all this money? I don't know. I don't know. We don't know about this stuff. Yeah. We're sorry, Paul yeah. Jackson. The only bass playing Jacksons I know are Randy and... <laughs> was it Tito or Jermaine that I played the remember. bass? So, anyway. Who are you waving at? Oh, my wife. She's going to go get us burritos. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah. hey, I actually have a, a little bit of cash if you want to break it oh don't worry about it we'll right, figure cool. it out <laughs> well, let's move on because obviously right. we don't know what we're talking about yeah but it's cool to look it up uh and you know like we've like we said in other episodes this for other things this doesn't belong on craigslist no no definitely but, um whoever posted this if you're listening find an auction house maybe ebay yeah I couldn't even... I had trouble finding this sort of thing on eBay. I was yeah. looking at, like, special... Like, I had to take it to Google. Sure. I, and I find, like, ba double-based specialty shops, basically. Like, right. places that specialize in classical instruments. Maybe he's just doing a shot in the dark. Like, oh, let me see what happens if I put this yeah. on Craigslist. But it's like, this is this is so far out there for Craigslist. Oh, yeah. For sure. Uh, and who wants to write a check for $50,000 for, I mean, for a yeah. transaction? That's like a down payment on a house. Yeah. So, yeah, who knows? Not in San Diego. Not in... <laughs> okay, moving on. Well, yeah. that's. Do we want to do one more ad? I've got one off uh, to the side. We're at the half hour I don't mark. No. We're at the halfway mark. Sure, whatever. Let's do one more ad. Let's have a party. What's this ad? It's an ad party. This is for uh, that fire sale, Les Paul. Hey, your neighbors are having a fire. Oh, cool. Uh, a fire or something. Uh, they're burning stuff. Fire sale, I Les. Yeah, I saw them with their fire pit out there earlier. Yeah, they're fire pitting it up. Yeah, maybe they're making Les Paul like this. Oh. Uh, this is a 1991 Gibson Les Paul Fire Sale Classic Gold Top. This used to be a gold top. Oh, apparently. I remember this ad. A uh, natural fire relic. Hard shell case. Look. I thought I had a description, printed, more of a description printed out. This, but this, is, this was on eBay like two weeks ago, three weeks ago, something like that. Uh, you can look it up if it's still up there. If not, I'm going to post this. It's probably in the completed listings now. Yeah, I'm going to post this screen grab. Oh, it, you know, it was completed listings. Oh. It was sold for, for $1,300. No. Was it? Let me see that thing. No, it, it there's a, a line through $1,200. $1,299. And it says best offer accepted underneath. Okay. The shipping was $44. But this is legitimately a gold top Les Paul. That was in a house fire. Yeah. Like, it is just scorched. It is melty on the edges. And then the guy had some sort of some sort of tech or a luthier come in and just reset it up and make it all work. I think there's new p pickups in there and new hardware and, and whatnot. They probably had to refret this thing. They had to do... Yeah. I don't, I, didn't, I don't have any good pictures of the neck, but they probably had to do a lot of fancy stuff to the neck to make this playable again. Uh, but they... The, it's, it's hilarious. It's it's a really neat look. They they left the pick guard ring, the pickup rings on there, and they're all melted. One's cracked. It cracked. It looks like just 
it looks like it's been on fire. Like it's incredible. Here you go. Take a look at that. Yeah, I actually I I vaguely remember this guitar. Uh huh. The, you know what this reminds me of now that I look at it again is a uh, Trussert. What is that? Trussert. Uh, Trussert guitars is that they make um, basically uh, all their guitars are made out of like old steel. Oh yeah, or like old aluminum, old I steel you're kind of about. stuff. Where like the holes will have like mesh inside and yeah. things like that. Yeah, yeah, I've seen them up at Buffalo Brothers. Uh huh. They're cool. Uh, They're like art pieces. Yeah, and uh, they actually they play super great. They're heavy. Yeah, super uh, heavy. But but they look really cool. And this kind of even though this is wood, this has that look. Now, I'm a little confused on how best offer works. It, if twelve ninety nine is scratched out. And it says best offer accepted. Does that mean twelve ninety nine was the best offer, or that someone offered a price lower than that that was yeah. accepted for ninety one? Yeah, I would offer way under that. Like if if that was you know a sixties Les Paul, then I would expect it to be way more than that because then you still have the sixties wood in there and you have an interesting story. It's sure. still going to be cheaper than a normal sixties Les Paul, but for ninety one. You're going to take a discount on that, I'd imagine. Yeah, I, I'm trying to remember, because I remember looking at this. I think this, uh, but Gold Top in that era was probably like a, they probably only made Gold Tops as standard. Yeah. Like Les Paul standards. So this was probably like originally like a $2,000 guitar. Sure. But yeah, I, I if I saw this on our Craigslist for 600 bucks, I would have to think and i had 600 bucks right which right. i never do but if i did <laughs> if you did uh i would i would at least think about it sure because i think this looks really cool it does look it you know there's so many false relics out there these days yeah this is a real relic yeah like a burning hot relic oh my gosh <laughs> And it actually looks really neat. That's <laughs> the sound of Steve throwing the paper on the burning floor hot in disgust. Oh my gosh. All right. I think it's neat. It reminds me of, of something that I saw on eBay a few years ago. There was a Jaguar body up. I remember Do that. Do you remember this the term, one? Like the termite body it or whatever? Like It looks like something that you would see in a science museum where like they put like a loaf of bread in a in like a plexiglass case and then let like mice chew holes through it this looks like it was in a plexiglass case and they let termites chew on it for yeah. about 30 years and there's just holes all the way through this thing like just you know like how when you see like the ribbons where bugs have been chewing on wood like going down the body and it was kind of beautiful in a way i always and wondered was, if that thing like if you slapped a neck on it if it would just crumble it would crumble there's no way it'll hold up. But the crazy thing is, this was years ago, probably like five or six years ago. Yeah. There was a bidding war on it. Oh, yeah. It was climbing a value like pretty high. I mean, it was an original 60s uh, Jaguar body, but there's not a lot of wood left, guys. <laughs> you know, somebody bought the thing and just wood fillered the crap yeah, well, out of that. What, that's what I was thinking. I was watching it because I was hoping it would stay like low hundreds, like 130 or something like that. And I was going to buy it. And I was going to try to do something like that. Like, you know so, been... I would soak it in probably like a resin or something like that. Just... Yeah, I was going to say what would be really cool is to get some kind of like acrylic. Yeah. And then and then uh, some kind of not ne I mean not necessarily an acrylic, but some kind of like clear resin. Yeah, I that think you could just, just fill a... it so it would it would keep the holes and then sure. just go like 
I'm not a big satin finish guy, but I think that would have been a good one to oh, go like yeah. go like satin or or like a really light nitro and just sand it back down to where it looked even, but all of these holes were plugged with uh-huh. with resin or whatever. Yeah, I think any like polyester resin, you just soak it in it and then pull it out before it sets and let it kind of drip out. Right. So it just like the resin coats the inside of all the little holes in the nooks and crannies and then it sets and then it would be, you know, a solid guitar. But I'm, I, I really want to know what happened to that thing. I should look yeah. it up to see if anyone posted a story about it. Someone probably bought it and then they've got it in a box somewhere and it's probably still got termites in it. <laughs> Someone probably bought it. Yeah. And then it's losing they, a pound a year they and put it in their garage and then five years now that it's been five years, their garage has collapsed. The guy put it in a giant gold box with angels on the top, and it's going to be opened up in like fifty years oh, by an archaeologist, and they're going to like look in there expecting to see this guitar, and it's just going to be dust. And they're going to ru- they're going <sighs> to put their hands through it, and then a demon angel is going to come out and melt his face off. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> culture reference culture reference okay so moving on let's talk about topics yeah uh so we got an email this uh recently um do we want to do the email first or the question first um let's do the question first okay what well the email is a, has a question in it yeah but... we refer to them as two different things okay what's the question is this the who the... is it from wait the question yeah i think jordan taylor yeah it's from jordan okay yeah, he Jordan Taylor asked uh, a general question uh, like, a, "What should he get as a, a backup oh, guitar?" Oh, right. yes, this question. He ha- he said he has an SG, and uh, the on the forum on the group, which just let's establish that SG stands for Satan's guitar. So never play one in church. Oh my gosh, it does not, and you should play it in church, <laughs> especially a red one. <laughs> uh he it was just it sounded to me like a very general question but then in the group people got very specific into what he could and could not get but i kind of want to just tackle it as a general question yeah uh, talking about backup guitars because uh, i have what i would consider backup guitars i have you know what was my second guitar i ever bought uh and i think that's a big distinction that we're talking about here is it sounds like he's got one electric guitar Right. And it was a question in my head. Is he talking about getting an actual backup guitar to back up what he has? Or is he talking about getting a second guitar, his second guitar? And what should he get to fill that role? For me, every time I buy a backup guitar, it it ends up becoming my primary guitar. (laughs) Um, Right. Well, for me, every time I buy a backup guitar, I'm doing air quotes. uh, It's to back up something else that I use live. And I'm such a modder that I get the backup guitar and I end up modding it to being a unique guitar that can't right. back up the original guitar. Right. And I can't sell it and I've got this extra guitar. Well, you're, <laughs> you know, you you have like a lot of single coil guitars. I that, do. That I would imagine. They fill are, a role. Yeah. That are at least kind of similar to each other. Yeah. Well, I've I mean, got. Even feel... the baritone, you could just slap a capo on that thing and you got to. Backup well, Stratocaster. It, it feels way different, but that's true. Yeah. It sounds a lot like a Strat. But I built the. I've got a Strat that I heavily modded. That's got only two pickups in it, and I use the trim a lot. And then I built this Flying V guitar, which doesn't sound like a backup, but if if I ever post a picture of it, you'll see. I made it to be a Fender Flying V. It's got a Fender neck on it. It's got a 
a strat tremolo on it and it's got two single coils in it. And I bought that to be a backup of the strat, but it's turned out to be a way different beast than the strat. It feels different. It right. sounds different. It definitely looks different. It's like, I don't know. I could I could use it as a backup for a show, but I wouldn't use it as a backup for yeah, recording. And, and so that's kind of where there becomes this division on backup guitars is, um, you know, are you getting something? So, okay, so, so straight to the point, like, okay, you have a Gibson SG. Yeah. And you say, I want a backup guitar in case my Gibson SG goes down, but I want, so I don't want to spend a lot of money, but I want to get something... That is gonna like feel similar and sound similar and whatever. Uh huh. Uh, so in that circumstance, I would say like, oh, G four hundred, Epiphone G four hundred. Yeah, sure. Uh, you're there. Another like you're SG done. style guitar. Yeah. It's, um, it's cheaper, but you can have it there just in case you need right a guitar if your string breaks. Yeah. Um, but then the the other side of that is if you're just looking for a backup guitar and you're comfortable like. Excuse me. You're comfortable going in with like a, uh, oh, I'm going to start this gig with a dual humbucker guitar, but then something's going to crap out. Right. But my, I'm comfortable playing whatever, then, then, hey, go to town. Uh, well, I think as far as strictly backup guitars go, I think you should always try to match pickups as closely as you can. Sure. I think if you're starting out with a humbucker guitar, that's your main guitar. I think you should back up with another humbucker guitar because yeah. so many, like if you're using pedals or even your amps, you know, the signal will change so much being pushed by a single versus a humbucker. Like there's so much different right. volume level and character to the pickups. You really want to have a similar pickup to back up with. But here's the other part of it. What if if what if he's just looking for a second guitar? And I say if you're looking for a second guitar, get something totally different. It, oh yeah, for sure. Like don't get another. Don't get an, if you're starting out with an SG. Don't get another humbucker guitar. Don't get another Gibson style guitar. Get a Fender style guitar. Get an Ibanez style guitar. Yeah. Get something weird. You know. Get get uh, funky. Yeah. Here, here's the way my progression went. My first electric guitar. Was this uh, this cheap slammer by Hamer guitar right. with a Floyd Rose on it? Oops. And uh, yeah, oops. It, here I'm going to say this real quick. Uh, if you're looking for your first electric guitar, don't get anything with a Floyd Rose. Yeah. It's there's just a pain in the butt. They're really awesome if you can set them up, but the learning curve is intense. Uh, getting past that, my backup guitar, meaning my second guitar, electric guitar that I ever bought, was a Duo Sonic reissue. Right, way, way, way different yeah. than 22. a Floyd Rose guitar yeah. with two humbuckers and a single in the middle and a twenty-four fret neck, sure, sure, and uh, you know pointy edges and and a double locking tremolo and whatnot. The the Duo Sonic's way different. It's super short scale, yeah. Two quacky single coil humbuckers, no tremolo at all, and that was a weird thing for me to do. I didn't yeah. have a single yeah. like normal guitar. I never really did like the, like, I don't know at what point I bought a guitar to think like, oh, this is a backup. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, maybe my Strat when I bought it, I thought of as sort of a backup. Did I have that? I don't remember. I've had a number of guitars I no longer own that were kind of just in an interim. Did you ever have backup basses? Uh, you had backup basses, I, I think. Or basses that you, that you were like, oh, well, if this breaks, I can 
grab this bass? Sort of, yeah. So my first bass was that uh, I had a Mexican jazz bass. Uh huh. And um, with EM, well, I put EMGs in it after I had it for a while. I dropped EMGs, and then I got this smoking deal, uh, which we'll talk about on another podcast probably on uh, an American Jazz V. Mm-hmm. Um, and I bought the Jazz V, like I think, in the thought process of like, oh, this will be my backup bass because I didn't really want to do a five, and then. There were a couple songs in my for our band for when sure. we, I was in your favorite band with Ryan, and uh, that's not confusing at all. <laughs> um, whatever. Uh, and there were a couple songs where I was using like the low B, so um, so I would bring two bases to every show, and that bass would like I would switch bases mid show. But eventually, it just got to the point where, like, I didn't want to deal with switching bases. Uh-huh. The um, the American Jazz was super comfortable. Like, I got used to the weight. I got used to the size of the neck. So then the Mexican became a backup bass. And then I just uh, ended up trading it and complicated story. But basically, like, I don't have a backup bass. Even at this point, um, I, I own two bases again now. Uh-huh. But I don't really consider either of them a backup bass. No, one they're is different like, from each other. Yeah, they're they're different. And one is like, I only take one bass on Sunday morning. I don't take right. two. Um, when I play guitar, sometimes I take two, but it really just depends. Uh-huh. Uh, with my guitars, I do have a little bit more of an overlay with uh, with my Telecaster. has a Strat pickup in the neck. So if I take my Strat... And I live on the neck pickup in general. Uh-huh. Like that's just the sound that I like. Uh, so I can go between those two guitars without too much of an issue. Uh, at least for like my clean tones. For when it get when I go with dirty tones, it gets a little different because on the Telecaster, I'll switch to the humbucker. Whereas on the Strat, I don't necessarily have that option. Um, but I don't. I just buy things that I think are cool. Yeah, exactly. I don't really. Ne- I don't really think about. Oh, I need a backup. If I try to get a backup of every guitar that I was ever like in the mindset of this is my going to be my live guitar for a time, I just I would have been in trouble. Uh-huh. I started with the Jagstang, yeah. which is actually the Jagstang is probably the closest to my Telecaster in terms of pickup configuration. Sure, but it sounds it, it feels it's, way different. Yeah, way different. Um, I had a uh, Squire Telecaster Custom Two for a while, which is the dual P ninety. Uh huh. And I, that was the only, I mean, that was a, my main guitar for a while. And I've just gone through different iterations. I just like a variety of sounds. Sure. It really, unless you're playing in a bigger, like, established band or, like, a touring band or something like that, does anyone really need an actual backup guitar? Like, just get something different. You yeah. Know? Get yeah. some, get, try some stuff. It's, I I want to try everything. I think it's <laughs> become my goal in life to own every single kind of guitar at least once and then sell every single kind of guitar at least once <laughs> you need to get some some of those like an, an ice man i've been his ice man oh man i don't i'm nowhere near that part of my life where i need an <laughs> ice man i think give me give me 10 or 15 years and a couple more kids and i'll be in iceman territory like oh remember the iceman in the 80s oh, and the 90s gosh. oh time to relive my youth yeah well let's move on to the to the other questions oh uh what's his name uh, this is uh, an email I got from uh, the title says what we talk about when we talk about guitars <laughs> and it says hey guys 
Let's talk about who is the best guitarist of all time. Also, bonfire preparedness, i.e., what should I wear to the bonfire to get the best tone? How many <laughs> girls will like me and what songs should I play? What songs I should play? Thanks and yours truly, Dougal. Dougal! Dougal. Good old Dougal. I think we should answer the first question. Just you say your answer and then I'll say my answer. No explaining. You just have to name drop someone, anyone. Okay. It doesn't matter. I gotta, I gotta, okay, you go first. Oh man, Herb Albert. Does he even play guitar? No. <laughs> and uh, I will go predictably, even though I don't, yeah, I'll just be predictable. I'm gonna say Jack White. Jack White. I haven't made a Jack White oh reference my gosh. yet. So Jack White. <laughs> uh, so I don't think that question matters. It, it's, you know, it's. It's so up to taste. Um, if you look at Time Magazine every other week, they're saying it's either the Beatles or, you know, or Jimi Hendrix. Who cares? I have know? been trying to track down this article for years now. I, I, years ago, I was in some magazine store, some stupid thing like that. And, uh, and there was either Modern Guitar or Guitar Player or uh -huh. Guitar World or one of these music magazines. And they, every year, like Rolling Stone or whatever does, not every year, but like every five years, Rolling Stone or all these different magazines do top 100 guitarists of all time. Yeah. And number one is always Hendrix or Clapton, Clapton or, you know, the, the predictable top five is Jimmy Page, Jimi Hendrix, Eric Clapton, yeah. uh, you know, Steve Vai. And Big so, name people, you know, whoever is most popular yeah, at this, so, that point in time. Um, the thing about this particular listing that was unique and why I've been trying to find it for so long is because I love this list. Okay. And what it did is these guys were like the opening paragraph is there is basically says there is no way that you can compare guitarists from style to style and era to era sure. head to head. So what they did is they went through time and basically grouped guitarists by era and said, okay, 1950s, 60s country jazz, Chet Atkins, Les Paul. Sure, sure. There's a few other guys. Uh, 1960s country, Buck Owens. Who, That's, if, that makes you, way more sense. If you like chicken picking, yeah. Buck Owens, Brad Paisley. That's all that really – I mean there's some other guys yeah, in there. Yeah, there's a lot of guys out like there. Like Merle Haggard, those yeah, kinds yeah. of guys. It's, you can't go in and take Chet Atkins and say, oh, Jimi Hendrix is a better guitar player than Chet right. Atkins. I mean, I, they're, they're just not, completely different. I'm not someone who, who blows the Jimi Hendrix horn or, Me or any celebrity guitarist. But I could easily say Jimi Hendrix is the best psychedelic blues guitarist yeah. that yeah, I know sure. of. Sure. And, sure. and so they had like one of the groupings was like was like the the blues men or whatever. And their, yeah. their five guys were... Hendrix, Page, Clapton, you know, mm -hmm. Buddy Guy or that makes way Muddy, more sense. Muddy Waters or whatever, yeah, like these this kind. Of, so it was, it was all grouped, you know. You oh the the the, the shredders or whatever, and you've got Petrucci and Vi and yeah. Buck, Chicken Bucket Face or whatever, and, <laughs> Chicken Bucket Face. <laughs> um, and, and oh, so so really, like if this article sounds familiar to you, yeah. Email it to Steve us. Steve has been putting pictures of this article on milk cartons and <laughs> yeah, putting have posters around the neighborhood. Have you seen this article? Steve will 
<laughs> yeah. Offered up uh, a handsome reward. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, it's it's just, it was a really cool article. They even had like, oh, the anti-guitarist. Because yeah. a lot of people want to say like, oh, Kurt Cobain was a great guitarist, even though he sure. considered himself a terrible guitarist. And he was very like deconstructionist with the way he played. So they were like, oh, the anti-guitarist. And yeah. you've got like... Kurt Cobain and uh, probably guy. like Frank Black sure. people, or Black people, Francis or whatever the people, heck his name is. There's a, a bunch of people out there who are really big fans of, of Ween. And the, yeah. And the guy, uh, the Ween guy from Ween, his last name is Ween. I forget Bob his first Ween, name. I Bob think. Bob Ween probably. He's got a really out there style. Uh, you couldn't really compare it to a lot of people. But if you like that, you think that's the best guitarist. That's just yeah. how it goes. You know? Sonic Youth is the same sure. thing. They, I mean, they didn't even strung strum the strings in the right part of the guitar yeah, you know yeah um, it really depends on what you like it's so subjective so thanks for that question Dougal yeah what's question number two from Dougal uh, what should I wear to the bonfire to get the best tone uh, talking about going to a bonfire okay best cl- best tone clothes for a bonfire you need it really depends on where the bonfire is yes. are we talking about beach or mountains um I'm f- more familiar with the beach well he also says how many girls will like me and what songs I should play I was assumed beach bonfire because I don't yeah. think of mountain bonfires like that's not going to be random a lot of girls. Yeah, that's not going to be random girl territory. That's going to be girls you already yeah. know and you already know what they like or don't like. So let's go with beach. Okay. Best tone for beach. You want to be comfortable. I'm going to say best tone for beach is. All right, go ahead. I, you, I feel you, like I cut you I'll, off. I'll, I'll do my line of reasoning and then you do sure. yours. Best tone for beach. You want to be comfortable is really about the chair. And I know that's not closed, but it kind of is because it's really close to your body. Right. You want a chair, doesn't have armrests. One of those fold-out chairs is nice with a canvas. You can kind of bucket seat in it. But it's really important not to have armrests because you got to have your arms free for playing guitar. All right. And it's really good because you can lean the guitar into like those folds when you walk away. Uh, as far as clothes go, you want... Uh, you want like some shorts or pants that breathe really well, but don't go all the way to your ankle because you're going to get sandy and you're going to get wet when you run out in the ocean with those girls and you're like <laughs> right. splashing each other with water. You want something that's going to dry relatively quickly. Why don't you just and wear your trunks? You can wear your trunks, yeah. but you got to have somewhere to put your picks too. Play, I don't know. Just play without a pair. Yeah. Uh, shirtless. You want to be shirtless okay. at the beach, right? Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's my recommendation. Some kind of, uh, capri pants or shorts. Wow. <laughs> uh, no shirt. Do you own, you do pop- you own? No. I think for men, they're called clam diggers. I don't own anything. I like don't that. know anything about pants. Yeah. You don't want to wear denim to the beach. It's a bad oh. idea. Unless it's cold and you're not going near the water. No wonder I can never get girls. Yeah, you don't, that's bad tone clothes for the beach. Cause they're going to get wet. You're going to be miserable. There's going to be sand lodged in there. All right. Uh, <laughs> Okay, you go. All right, so um, so I also will concur with the shirtlessness, uh-huh. or at least like something really thin. And the reason my thought for this is like muscles look great in the well, firelight. There, there's that, and also like uh, <laughs> by reducing the layers between your mm. acoustic guitar and your body, you will be able to increase the tone. Like your mass, yeah, yeah. your mass will add, add sustain. To, will add sustain, will add tone to your acoustic guitar. I don't think you want to add mass to an acoustic guitar. I don't usually. know. <laughs> I'm just making this up. Um, I just, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I've done various, this is, so here, here's the thing is like, in some parts of the country, like beach bonfires is specifically like, oh, it's the summer. Let's have a beach. Oh, end of summer bonfire. Right. 
in SoCal, like, oh, it's mother effing January. Let's yeah. have a bonfire. Yeah. Hey, guys, it's my birthday. We're going to have a bonfire. Yeah. It's in November. Yeah. 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 In fact, uh, so actually the last beach bonfire I remember playing, I was wearing a long sleeve cowboy shirt. Well, that's it, what you always wear, Steve. Well, that's true. And, and a trucker hat. <laughs> but I was wearing it ironic. I don't I don't know. I don't think you were. I like that hat. You did like that but hat. It was I like thought it was sincere. It was sincere, but it was legit. Yeah. I did not buy it at American Apparel I mean, or it, Urban Outfitters. If it fits and it's comfortable, yeah. you know, why not wear it? Just go with it's it. It's just, you know, it was during that time when everyone was wearing trucker hats. Yeah, but ironically. Yeah, everyone they're all wearing like the... Ironically loved something together. Everyone was wearing like Von Dutch trucker hats. Yeah. And I was wearing an Allison Transmissions trucker hat. It's legit. From... Freaking like the 1980s. Yeah. I don't mess around when it comes to fashion. <laughs> Steve is high fashion. <laughs> fashion um, needs so, to Steve. So how many girls are going to like you? All of them. I was going to say none of them. Well, there's a condition. Um, or what, Do you what? sing? If you're singing, they're all going to like you. If you can sing well. <sighs> Maybe. I think it just really depends. Uh, because on the one hand, you might be that guy, yeah, that's or you true. might be that guy. Wait, what's uh, those both sounded bad? Yeah, well, there's that guy, like, oh, oh you're that guy, no, that guy, yeah, oh, that guy, that guy, like the guitar or guy, that guy, like, so basically, what I'm saying right now, sure. the is, good that guy or the bad that guy, yeah, like, if you're the guy, and maybe this comes down to your song choices, uh huh, know your audience, oh, absolutely, um. If you're in college and you're going to a beach bonfire, that's like a lot of college kids. Um, when I was in college, if you played like Dave Matthews or John Mayer or Jason Mraz or some, you know, softy acoustic singer songwriter guy, uh-huh. like you had a greater and you were like at least a halfway decent looking dude. And looks maybe, have a lot to do with and it. And maybe there was at least some level of alcohol involved. I would say your odds of, of, of like making out with the girl are at least 50, 50. If you were me in college and all the only songs you knew were worship songs. Sure. And you looked like me and you can't sing. And when you weren't playing worship songs, you were trying to play punk songs on an acoustic guitar. Right. Your odds of making out with the girl at the end of the night are like 20, 80, on the no side, like it probably wasn't going to happen. Okay. And at the end of the night, all the girls are going to say, Oh, Steve, he's such a nice guy. Someday he'll make really great husband material, (laughs) but I'm too busy partying. Yeah. I'm going to hang out with this guy over here. He's playing Jason Mraz songs. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know what the current equivalent to Jason Mraz songs are. No idea. It's probably like, maybe like, uh, some one Republic or, or those, uh, what are those, ra- the guys with the ra- song about radiation? Oh, no. They sing about radiation and demons. Yeah, I hate and, that song. And um, uh, Imagine Dragons. Oh, yeah. How about Let's Not Imagine Dragons? Here, here's what I'm going to say. All right. I've always, I, I couldn't speak for percentages of making out or not because that wasn't me in high school or college or after college. <laughs> I, I I married my first girlfriend basically. Um what I would say that I always enjoyed 
I'm sure different people can can make it work for them in different ways with the, with the ladies. What I always enjoyed is when you're around a, a, a bonfire and uh, you're casually singing songs, you want to go, number one, for super recognizable. Yes. Number two, it's, it's good to go a little funny angle. Mix things up. What, what is a popular song that you wouldn't expect to hear on an acoustic guitar? Sure. It could either go softer or you could play a hard song harder or a soft song harder. Or uh, vice versa, a medium song, mediumer. <laughs> what? <laughs> you know, you know, change the song. Yeah. Put it in a yeah. different way. Uh, do a hip hop song. Please don't be racist when you do it. Uh, right. Avo- yes. if, unless you're of a certain complexion, avoid in bombs. In bombs. Just in, yeah, yeah. That's a good idea. That's not an. It- Listen, guys, playing an acoustic gu- guitar is not an excuse to drop the in bomb. I'm gonna just put it out there. Yeah, um, if you're white, I always felt like you had it when we would go to beach bonfires, or you know, when we were doing street music that one summer. Um, I always thought you had like a really like eclectic mix of music. Yeah, that we brought to the table. I mean, so this is like ten years ago. So obviously, you got to think like, what are the equivalents of these songs now? But still, always a great example. At the end of the bonfire. Closing time. Closing time. Yeah, it's from our from our age that we come from. If you know, rewind fifteen years when we were at bonfires, we'd probably be playing some Violent Femmes. We'd probably be playing some Sublime because people love it. We'd probably be dropping some Jack Johnson or something like did that. You, did, we never did. Jack I never did that, but I'm saying from that time what oh, people yeah, would sure. be doing. Uh, oh, dude, I was definitely dropping you, Jack Johnson yeah. as frequently as possible. If you want to go funny, you, you're dropping Eminem or Macy Gray. Yeah. Is Macy Gray funny? It'd be funny to do it acoustic as okay. a white person. Yeah. Well, you always would drop the Devo. Yeah, I'd drop um, Devo. Stuff it, that people don't maybe accept. Yeah, or, ten, 10 years ago, we dropped the Wonderwall. Yeah. Now you drop Boulevard of Broken Dreams because it's the same song. Same song. I think if I was a young person now doing the bonfire thing, trying to impress girls, I'd probably be dropping, gosh, what, like some Katy Perry or yeah, yeah. Uh, some Lady Gaga. Uh, what is that boy band that there is now? One Direction. One Direction. Drop some Bieber. Oh, yeah. You know, ironic stuff, you know? You know, so... And then hit on, you know, Imagine Dragons sort of stuff yeah. that's overplayed. And you would play, like, the first, like, verse and chorus. And then you're like, ah, can you believe I was playing that? And, you know, there you can always go old school. Like, there, everyone will know certain Beatles songs. Sure. Everyone's gonna that's know... Douchey. I think it's You douche. think it's douchey? I think it's douchey to be around a bonfire and be like, and start dropping Blackbird. Well, I'm not talking. Okay, yeah, you know, because okay, <laughs> you know, like, you know, t- half the people are going to enjoy it, and the other half of people are going to be like, "You guys want to go down to the water?" I'm just thinking, like, I'm not. I'm thinking, like, act not album cuts though. I'm thinking, like, brown eyed girl kind of stuff. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, like things you that people are going to brown eyed girl at a bonfire. <laughs> oh my gosh, that will make me naked. <laughs> you get the sing along parts in there. <laughs> Oh man, I want to be at a bonfire and listening to that right now. Yeah, you know, um, there's pro- it's Friday. There's probably bonfires right now. Let's go. Let's go to the beach. Let's go to the beach. <laughs> okay, Steve and I are going to go to the beach, and we're going <laughs> to leave you with a song. Yeah, uh, who sent us the song? Uh, so we're going to drop a song at the end of this. This is a song called um, 
Oh, I just had it and I went away from it. It's, it's called, called Sludge something. Sludge Mate. Sludge Mate. This was sent to us by uh, Nick Jude. Thanks, Nick Jude. And uh, this is what Nick has to say about this song. I'm going to just kind of paraphrase it. I'm not going to read the whole thing. He said, I, uh, he actually sent us two songs and this was the one we wanted to play. Um, he said, there's no vocals because I don't sing in my band and my singer lives far away. So this is an instrumental track, yeah. but that's fine. This is the sort of stuff we like uh, to hear. It's, it's, a, it's a rough cut. It says, I'm really trying to better my recording skills. Um, so this is kind of a rough track. I don't know really what kind of interface is. It's a little noisy, but the reason... So Ryan was like, oh, let's do this song. And I listened to it. And I really, I really dig dig what's going on it's here. Got a good it's feel. kind of repetitive. Maybe, maybe like once you get your singer to drop some vocals on it, it'll feel less sure, repetitive. Sure. But I really like this song because I feel like if your favorite band, our old band, our old band, that's what it was band, called to avoid confusion, um, was still like making music combined uh -huh. with. So we were kind of this like alternative punk outfit three piece. I don't really know what you call it. We kind of sounded like somewhere between uh, the Dead Kennedys, the uh, the Minutemen, and like the Presidents. Yeah, yeah. We kind of sounded like a cross between uh, Lincoln Park and Jack Johnson. Oh yeah. I always said uh, uh, <laughs> I always said Lint Biscuit and Huey Lewis. Oh okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, no, but we were just kind of this dirty, like grindy, like we got. We actually people would compare us to Dead Kennedys. Let's we'll stop talking about ourselves. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so anyway, my point um, uh, is that uh, with Ryan, Ryan's really into fuzz pedals. Yep. Currently, and I feel like this song is like just this grindy, but it's got like a really strong beat behind it. It's got a really dance. strong bass line. It's got kind of a dancey thing to yeah, it, but not overtly dance. Yeah, like, you just kind of want to move to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it just kind of reminded me of of music that I wouldn't mind making now. Sure. Um. So we're gonna drop it. It's called Sledge Mate. Thanks, Nick Jude. Yeah, enjoy it. And if uh, I'm gonna drop the rules on you guys, if you're listening to this and you want to have us play your song, uh, don't send us a message on the group with a link to a Bandcamp or anything like that. Go fi find the email. It's in the description on the yeah. page. And email us the MP3 because we don't want to go through all your songs. We want you to pick the one or two songs that you want us to look at, and we'll look at those and we'll pick the one. Yeah, and then we've got the MP3 there, and it's easy for us yeah, to drop it. Yeah, it's easy for us to drop it if it's on if it's on like a SoundCloud and we can't download it. Yeah, what are it, we gonna do? It's just it. There's ways to do it, but it's it's really a mess. It's really hard to. It's yeah, not, it's not really hard, but it's it's very inconvenient. Let's okay. put it that way. Yeah. Okay, so, so moving on. Here we Here's go. Here's a song. This has been 60 Cycle Hum, episode yeah. eight. eight. Episode uh, Ocho. Ocho. Ocho Cinco. <laughs> Let's e go. ESPN, the Ocho. <laughs> Let's go to the beach, Steve. We're off to the beach. The Yay! Bonfire, I'm drinking my acoustic guitar. Uh -huh. 